We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. to have you with us for a Monday edition of College Football Live. I'm Wendy Nix with Tom Lucanville and Harry Lyles Jr. And you could call it the gift that keeps on giving, and that is the potential expansion of the SEC. But potential now, perhaps a word we won't need since it's official. The Board of Regents in Texas and Oklahoma voted unanimously, by the way, to formally accept the invitation to join the SEC. Now the next step simply to decide exactly when, and then of course also to determine what happens to the eight Big 12 schools not invited. Those schools left behind. Leave it to the Ed Ball coach to weigh in. Here's what Steve Spurrier had to say on Texas and their plans to join the SEC. I can understand Texas jumping over. They get to play Texas A&M again. They can't win the Big 12 anyway, so I can see them jumping over. More money, playing A&M, this and that and the other. And then, of course, there's Oklahoma. Spurrier opined on that as well. I just don't think they're going to come over to the SEC and win with any regularity the way they win the Big 12. Their fans, they may say, yeah, now we can beat Alabama and LSU and all these dudes. It may not happen like that. And perhaps, Tom Luganville, this is one area we've yet to talk about, perhaps because we were following the if and the when. But now that it looks like these two teams will join the SEC, what what is the likelihood that they can come in and compete with these guys uh, it, right away? Obviously, they can compete, but can they be yeah. successful in the SEC right away? Well, I think they can be successful. It's how we define competing. Um, are we looking at Oklahoma still being a 12-0 team, 11-1 team? I think that remains to be seen. You know, all you've got to do is look at Texas A&M here, and you realize, okay, well, wait a minute. Uh, Texas A&M has sniffed Atlanta, what, one time since they've been in the league? So you look at Texas and you say, okay, well, if Texas A&M is further along right now than Texas is, maybe it's going to be a tougher road to hoe. With Oklahoma, though, I think here's the question. They're not going to go into every game, Harry, like they did in the Big 12 with distinct personnel advantages across the board, distinct depth advantages across the board. And I think that's what Steve Spurrier was referring to. It's good. You're going to have to have the bodies to run the gauntlet or a battle of attrition for 15 weeks. Yeah, Tom, I think that's the, the interesting thing here because both of these schools are still bringing in talent. Obviously, with Texas, they've had a lot of trouble kind of developing that talent over the years. That's not going to stick in the SEC. And then as far as Oklahoma goes, obviously they've been a college football playoff contender every year. But I think the one thing that's going to be really different for Texas and Oklahoma is you don't have those bottom feeder games that are going to be the insane blowouts, right? Like obviously the bottom of the Big 12 is a much easier ride than even the bottom of the SEC is. Like Arkansas, Vanderbilt, they can keep you in a game for a half or three quarters. Like I think that's going to be a big difference here, and I think that it's perhaps going to be a little bit more tough for Texas than it is for Oklahoma. Uh, but I do think, to your point in recruiting, Oklahoma is going to have to kind of bridge that gap a little bit to kind of, you know, ease into the SEC. 
Both of you referenced it, and it's recruiting, guys. I mean, obviously, the lifeblood of collegiate athletics, certainly college football, Luke's, you know, on paper, in some instances, it would look to benefit schools. I mean, I, I really don't know, though, in terms of Oklahoma and, and Texas, a different situation, but how does this affect recruiting if they join, when they join the SEC? Well, I think it's a huge plus for Oklahoma. If you look at Oklahoma and why they've improved, particularly last year and why they're a big favorite this year, it's because of the improvement on defense. Where? Within the defensive front seven. Well, with the SEC, it is a front seven league. You've got to have defensive linemen, and you've got to have a lot of them. Well, where do they reside? Georgia, Florida, Alabama, South Carolina, Louisiana, Mississippi. So if you're Oklahoma, you've now opened the doors to cast a much wider net You've already got a national brand. You've been to the college football playoff. You're going to walk into that door with some cachet. But you better have success because you're not going to be able to build your roster out of Midwestern states to compete with an Alabama and an LSU. With Texas, they might have a slight advantage going forward, at least initially, Harry, because Steve Sarkeesian is fresh off of an SEC run. He knows exactly what he's getting into. They know exactly what they have to have roster-wise to compete or beat an Alabama, a Georgia, an LSU, and Auburn each and every year to have a chance to go to Atlanta. Yeah, Tom, and you know, one other thing, too, that I think that perhaps a lot of casual college football fans get upset about or annoyed hearing is that the talent in the SEC is just that much different. And I think a lot of people probably hear what you say, and they're like, well, what are you talking about, Oklahoma? Especially with Oklahoma, is that if they're at the top of the, you know, standings every year, like, is the, the, the talent gap really that different? And I think that the things that you're talking about could really show up here these first couple of years because it is that different and it always shows itself on the field and in the results. And I think that it's going to be kind of interesting here to see how that shapes up, especially this first year that both teams are going to be in the SEC whenever that does come. Well, whenever that is, is the question, you know, the, the plan is 2025, but then you have to wonder how long these schools can coexist knowing they, they are going to go. We'll see. And then the other thing I mentioned at the top of the show, what happens to the other eight schools? Not everybody's going, right? You still got a Big 12, at least right now. And those schools have to decide, of course, whether the status quo will work and they can be viable or they'll have to shift gears. Uh, interesting comments if you read between the lines here on Twitter. And we'll start with what Kansas had to say. And I show you this because it's almost like they're campaigning a little bit. It says, uh, Kansas said... Uh, what the future holds for the Jayhawks in both Lawrence and Kansas City. The tweet also mentions a new airport terminal. Uh, looks to be ready by 2023. And then how about this from Texas Tech? Matt Wells on their situation. It's a great brand. Academically, research institution. All of our athletic programs will land in a good spot. Harry, I mean, it almost sounds like, hey, look at us. You know, these are the things we're good at. These are the things we have going for us. Is this the first maneuver to try to find a new place in case, you know, we don't have a, a Big 12? Perhaps. Uh, I, I kind of can't help but feel bad for these guys because it's like, man, you really not even just, like, have to sell yourself to recruits, but it feels like they're just trying to sell themselves to everybody. Uh, I, I think if you're the remaining schools in the Big 12, the one common thread that you all had in terms of this whole Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC thing is that you didn't like that you weren't on the same page with it until it was too late, right? I think all of them, the best thing moving forward is getting together and being like, hey, what's it going to be? Are we going to try to keep league together and add teams or are we all going? And that way everybody can do what they need to do. Kansas can go sell itself to whoever they want to, you know, West Virginia and everybody keeps bringing up the ACC. But I think the one thing that all those programs can agree on and should do is get together and decide what it's going to be.
Yeah, I totally agree with you. And the music's going to stop at some point, and, and somebody's going to be left without a chair if they're not proactive in all of this. I think that the difference between conference realignment back in 2010 and 2011 and what we have now, it's going to be about who are your top revenue producers as far as athletic departments? Who has the bigger alumni bases? Who has, more importantly, and Matt Wells at Texas Tech said it, who is building and has a sustainable brand? Because I think that consumers are going to start gaining their content from different mediums, different ways. It's not just going to be a cable box. It's not just going to be a satellite dish. So why are you more attractive to one institution than another for a prospective conference that's looking to add teams? And if you're not thinking that way, I think you're making a mistake. You've got to prepare yourself an exit strategy so you land on your feet. Yeah, Tom, yeah, you I know think what? You everybody's got to I, get I, used to the idea of this thing is really changing, but right before our eyes. Yeah. Well, well, it is, guys. And, you know, we've talked about this before. The ramifications are far and wide. It's not going to stop at the Big 12. You know, this, there, there will be situations. That it's not going to look the same in 24 months or, or what, two or three years as it does right now. We just, we just know that. We also know, uh, and this is another, another potential fallout, rivalries, one of the best parts of college football. How does this affect that? You know, I mean, yeah, you're going to have some great games, but you certainly have to wonder uh, what kind of rivalries will be uh, affected, including that Bedlam game. We will talk more about that as College Football Live continues. Traditional rivalries in the Big 12, well, that's going to change. What about the rest of college football? Realignment, plus we'll also touch on the impact this could have with expanded playoffs. All of that still ahead on College Football Live. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. A leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. A podcast that unearthed it all. This is just like what 2014 was mm -hmm. like. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff happening. And now, a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clip. We reshot the scene, and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough. A companion podcast to the FX drama inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters an L.A. native, and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode. Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time. Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clipped wherever you get your podcasts. One of the potential casualties of conference realignment may be the loss of traditional rivalries. And among those, that could be the end, the traditional bedlam game. That's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, of course. Here was Oklahoma State President Dr. Casey Shrum's response to the rivalry continuing. Many have asked about the future of Bedlam. We enjoy the intensity and tradition whenever we play OU in any sport. Right now, there are too many unknowns to determine what the future holds. Here's Kirk Herbstreit with his take. 
I just hate losing the tradition of the sport. I, I just think I, I, I've always been, I guess, naive to it. I've always tried to be the guy that's like, no, we're going to hold on to our traditions. People care about those traditions. They care about the rivalries. Clearly, the, the decision makers don't. And we're, we're now in the, an arms race, and it's, a, it's about the money. Well, he's not wrong, Harry. It is about the money. But it, it, some of these games that we've seen play for a long time perhaps aren't going to go away. You're going to get some things in return. Uh, but how does this affect the rivalries? And what rivalries will be most affected with this realignment? Yeah, I, I think that one of the bigger things, I know it's easy to point to bigger rivalries like Bedlam, but I think that we all also, as college football fans in this particular sport, right, we have traditions and rivalries that actually, like, mean something in a way that you don't get in professional sports, right? Like, perhaps you could point to, like, Lakers, Celtics, and the NBA, but outside of that, you have, like, yearly things that happen depending on who's where, right? Like, Lakers, Cavs, or not, sorry, Lakers, Cavs, Warriors, Cavs is not something that we point to regularly and be like, that's a rivalry, right? So even with, like, Big 12 games that we might not view as the biggest rivalries, I think that it's going to be weird not having Texas-Kansas State or Texas-Kansas or any of those games. But I do think that this is what we're seeing, right? The money is going to impact this sport in a way that it wouldn't affect any other sport. And we're going to see a lot of these things going away, and it's not going to feel good, and it's going to feel weird now regularly seeing Oklahoma and Texas play schools like Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and, you know, Missouri. It's just going to be odd. Well, it may or it may not be, and I think a lot of this is, is a bit short-sighted in the sense that Clemson and South Carolina still play each other, different conferences. Florida and Florida State still play each other, different conferences. SC Notre Dame play each other. We all know how that is each and every year we look forward to it. We're still going to see Oklahoma and Texas play each other. Now we're going to get Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and we're going to get Texas, Texas A&M. So for me, this comes down to the member institutions deciding if they want to maintain the rivalry for one weekend. Let's just say they have three non-conference games. Then you decide what's best for your fan bases, what's best for your alumni as institutions. You say, you know what? doesn't matter what conference we're aligned in. This is the best thing for both institutions, our alumni, and our fan bases. So unless we get rid of geographical identity and we're in 2022, 2014 super conferences, I don't know if we have to worry about it quite yet. It might be a bit premature. Well, Luke, should Bedlam continue? Will Bedlam continue? I'll ask you specifically about that one. I mean, you heard the university president. I understand why she was a little noncommittal given all that's going on, but you hope – I mean, you certainly hope it will. It can, I think. Well, absolutely. And I, But I, if, if I'm Oklahoma, I'm probably the institution that's saying, I don't know if I want to hold that as one of my non-conference games. If I'm jumping over here into the SEC West and I look at the slate of games we've got to play – let alone the crossover games. If you're Oklahoma State, um, I, I, I think it's a big deal for you. Um, I think from a scheduling standpoint, maybe there's a little more leeway if it just remains an eight-team Big 12 and you feel like you've got some advantages versus the other seven teams. Maybe that Oklahoma game's not so daunting. So I think because of conference affiliation, it might be looked at differently based upon the, inst the institution's viewpoint. Yeah, Tom, and to your point, I really do hope the schools keep that consideration in. I, I think that um, I can't necessarily speak for all college football fans. I think I'm a little bit more open to changes and, you know, just the way that the game is evolving a little bit. 
but I do like those traditional rivalries. And as far as Bedlam goes, if you're Oklahoma State, I, I understand like why you would want to keep that going because it's good for you and benefits you perhaps more than it does Oklahoma. Uh, but I don't know that you would necessarily miss playing that game because it's typically not one that you win. If you look at the overall record, I think it's like 90-18 in like six ties uh, in Oklahoma's favor. So perhaps the Cowboys could skip that one. <laughs> It, 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 the, no, the numbers are, are daunting, to say the least, when you, when you look at the record over the last, uh, what, many decades or so. I talked about playoff expansion. Now, prior to the SEC news, we were talking about 12 teams. It looked like we were on the fast track, to be honest. And now, you know, for various reasons and various motives, we're seeing a little bit of a slowdown. Here's what Gene Smith had to say, and he is talking about the potential 12-team uh, expansion with regards to the college football playoff. I think the pause button should be hit. We need to evaluate the landscape of what it's going to look like. We still need to evaluate the 12-team playoff. We don't need to rush into that when there's legitimate concerns that need to be addressed. Now, Harry, I'll give you this. It does affect things. It changes things a little bit. But I, but I also think some of this is just, look, you know, you, you, we didn't know this was coming, and now we're going to slow down your pet project kind of thing. I, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure we're still not headed in the same direction, regardless of what the rhetoric is right this minute. Yeah, I still feel like we're going to get there. Look, if I'm Gene Smith, if I'm any other athletic director at any school in the country, if I'm a coach in another country, I'm looking at Greg Sankey and being like, hold on a second. For months, you've been in meetings with Texas and Oklahoma to bring them to your conference, expanding your conference to 16 teams, while simultaneously being on the subcommittee that is in charge of expanding the college football playoff and has been working on that for months. If I'm Gene Smith, of course I feel this way. Like I, I might slow it down. I think it's still, at the end of the day, going to be beneficial for everybody. It's going to make everybody more money. And so we'll get to that. And I still think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. But his reaction is something that I feel like we've all kind of expected given Greg Sankey's involvement in all of this. Yeah, he's sending a message that they're not happy. They realized having these discussions about an expansion to 12-team playoff, they knew that that would include likely more SEC teams in. That was without the knowledge of Oklahoma and Texas being involved in the league. That's upsetting to them. I totally get it. Now, Greg Sankey and the SEC deserve a lot of credit for being proactive and, and being able to pull this off. But what does pausing prevent? If this is happening and everybody agrees that we could be upwards of a billion dollars by expanding to 12 teams, whether Oklahoma and Texas are in the SEC or not, it's happening. And by the way, this isn't happening tomorrow or next week or six months from now. So it's not as if we all have to pause and step back because, boy, a final decision is going to be made and we don't know where all the dominoes are going to fall. There's time to work this thing out. And it's going to be fun to, it's going to, be fun to watch it work itself out. But if it's 12, then it doesn't matter. Nobody's stopping it because it's all about the old Maddie dollar. No, Luke. See, I don't, where did you get that? Where did you come up with that? What, that is a ridiculous notion that this would be about <laughs> money. Uh, but, but listen, in, in, in all seriousness, it's, I, I, th I think the point is exactly that. It, it is likely going to happen. Uh, there's, I said this Friday, I think, if there's a bigger pie, it's a bigger piece for everybody, and ultimately yeah. that will win out. Uh, but clearly, you know, Greg, thank you. Let, let's just call a spade a spade. He, he, had, he was one step ahead of everybody else, and now the, everybody else is less than thrilled about that, but that, that's just the way it played out.
Uh, I do want to leave some time because we're going to talk about Quinn Ewers, uh, the top high school prospect who we now know officially will forego his senior year in high school and head to Ohio State. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about name, image, likeness, what this means, and some of the unintended consequences that we may see if this becomes the norm. We'll take that up when we come back right after this. twice as nice this weekend. The pandemic canceled last year's Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony, so this year we get two. The Centennial Class of 2020 inducted, led by Troy Palomalu, Steve Atwater, Edger and James, Isaac Bruce, and Steve Hutchinson, and then on Sunday, Peyton Manning, Charles Woods, and Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Drew Pearson lead the way. Both days also available on the ESPN app. Well, how about this for some news? Quinn Ewers skipping his senior year. He's a top quarterback prospect, the number two in the 22 class, for going his final year of high school to enroll at Ohio State. Now, the reason being, at least partially, he's prohibited by the state of Texas from benefiting from his name, image, and likeness while he's in high school. When he moves on to college, Luke's, he'll be able to do that right away. We know that legislation has changed. So, Slippery slope. What is this really all about? Money. No different than college football playoff well, expansion. Again. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no different than conference realignment. If it wasn't for state athletic associations and Quinn Ewers, if you read his statement today, he likely would not have made this decision. I don't fault Quinn Ewers in all of this. In all of this. If he's got an opportunity for him, fantastic. But the reality of the situation is you're passing up playing your senior year, all right? You're passing up your friendships, your prom, your last year of being in high school. You're only in high school once, and you're doing this to join a program where you're likely going to start off number four on the depth chart, enrolling in August, not having the benefit of a spring or a summer with the program, so you could likely be holding a clipboard. Now, if there's money to be made in that, by all means, Quinn Ewers, go do it. So if it wasn't for all of the things that I outlined, somebody give me one reason why he would do this that doesn't have to do with just being financial. Yeah, Tom, you're exactly right. Uh, I, I think that these cases are definitely going to be rare, which I think is probably a good thing. Uh, I don't think this happens if he plays any other position than quarterback and he also still has to be at like half of 1% of, you know, just skill group, right? Like you have to be just so talented to have these opportunities in front of you. Um, I do think if there's one way that all this can be fixed, and it's that if we just started shared revenue in schools and in conferences, whoever, give players a piece of the pie. But I, I think that this is an interesting case. I think with NIL, we're still trying to see like how this thing is going to look, what the norm is going to be. But in his case, I'm not certain that there's going to be many more of these that are going to be this specific case where he's skipping out his entire last year of high school. Well, the danger is you never know, though. Obviously, he's a talented – this is a really talented player. But, you know, there are guys, Tom, who, who may not have a full assessment of where, where they are. They may think they're better than they are, to be totally candid. And then you're in real trouble. But, I, you know, I, the obvious question here, and I asked it about realignment, is how does this affect recruiting? When I, you, there's just so many question marks. This is 
Pandora's box, I, I think, although to your point, Harry, it won't be everybody, but still. Well, the one thing you got to do is it becomes a part of your organization. It becomes a part of your presentation, no differently than the academic outline to get a degree, no different than your player development, your life skills development. Now you have an NIL portion of your infrastructure that is there to navigate this space for prospective student athletes, and you sell it as part of the pitch. Yeah, you know what? No matter what your opinion on this, it is fascinating. And the one thing we know for sure, change is coming, folks. So get, get, on, get on board and we'll see what happens next. We'll see you back here tomorrow.